Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode 106 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. We are very pleased to be joined by Brandon from Houston House Brewing. Hi, Brandon. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? We are doing fantastic because you're here. We're doing splendidly <laughs> on this on this fine day. Yes. So why don't we just jump right into it and let the listeners know all about you. Tell us about yourself. Well, originally born and raised in San Diego and coming from San Diego and Southern California, it really influenced how beer is conceived by myself and how it's developed my tastes and preferences through many ages. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I met my wife in San Diego. She was in the Navy at the time, and she's from Washington State. And ultimately, when she separated from the Navy, we decided to go up to her home state to start, you know, uh, our family to have a home for her to finish her education, so on and so forth. And so I live up here in the, you know, the green state or the evergreen state, as they call it, uh, Washington. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Cool. And I know we usually at the beginning jump into how you got into homebrewing, but I just had a question pop up when you talked about your move from San Diego to Washington. Did you see a difference in the types of beer that were popular or like an influence on the beer scene between the two locations or was it pretty similar? Uh, you know what? I, I noticed a huge difference, honestly, and, and some people might disagree with that. But for speaking personally myself, you know, I grew up pretty much in the age of Stone. So Stone Brewery was my hugest influence. and they blew up the scene with all their aggressively hopped beers and coming up to the Pacific Northwest, it, it didn't have the same vibe, right? Everything was a little bit softer or, or you know, you, you show something as hoppy or aggressively bitter, they, people would be like, whoa, what's that, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously things have changed throughout the years, but back in the day when I, you know, coming from the South to the North, it, that there was a huge difference for me and it, it made it incredibly hard to go to the grocery store or to a specialty shop and find the beers that I was used to or I liked. I mean, you could, you could typically find some run-of-the-mill versions, but as a whole, it, it, it made it quite difficult to find the stuff that I liked. And, and that kind of started influencing me on like, why am I not making my own? And that's kind of where it started. And did you start off with a the, you know, quintessential beer kit, or did you go a different route? So um, I was lucky enough to have a lot of contacts in the beer community when I was younger. For instance, you know, a really good friend of mine, Ryan Mitchell, he is the owner of Praia Brewing over there in Baltimore, I believe it is, because he, he used to be in San Diego, but he started out as the, uh, a brewer for Stone Brewery, I believe he was at Manzanita Brewery and he was at Helms Brewery. You know, he allowed me to bounce a lot of questions off of him on how to brew. So he really helped me develop my style because we like the same beers. So I started doing the, the good old Google uh, <laughs> search and found a guy on OfferUp. Yes, he was in the military at some point. He was like, hey, I'm leaving. I got this as a Christmas present. You know, I'm selling it for dirt cheap. And it was like your basic red ale kit and i'm like well it's got the kettle it's got you know the steering spoon and the hydrometer and everything that you kind of need to start off it's like why don't i check that out because it's dirt cheap mm -hmm. and i'll see if i like it or not and that's that's kind of where i started off i did uh start off with partial grain i didn't i didn't do the full extract but it was the uh, partial setup and and yeah i was on the, the stove top it was it was 
it was a lot of fun. It, it sparked something inside of me that's developed, you know, 10, 11 years later to what I'm doing now. And how'd that end up turning out? Was it drinkable or was it something where you're like, okay, I had a lot of fun making it, but it wasn't, I'll look elsewhere for like a new beer to brew. Oh man, I'm, uh, I'm, my personality is obsessive compulsive. I'm a <laughs> perfectionist and I am extremely hard on myself when, you know, evaluating beers that I make or, you know, anything of that nature. So <laughs> I had a lot of questions from my friend and I was going through every single process, making sure that I had it. I had my notes out. I wanted to make sure I didn't make any mistakes because I mean, let's be honest, it's a lot of time that you devote to something of this nature and, and you don't want it to be a bummer. So luckily for me, red beers are great, but you know, I come from the hop head age and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make this into a red IPA and got some tips from my buddy and I hopped the hell out of it and it turned out awesome. And it just, I was like, Whoa, this is so good. I think this is something I want to do from here on out. Yeah. I don't know anybody else like that. And Shannon's <laughs> been staring at me when you're like, he sounds exactly like how you are with your own beer. <laughs> and it's like, you're either that home brewer that just, you know, brews for the fun of it. If it doesn't turn out, then that's fine. You move on or do something else. And then we have our types. that's like compulsive, like need to get it right. Need to figure it out. Need to have something good. So you're like tasting, you know, like the, what's the phrase, Shannon? I'm trying to think of where it's like, you reap what, not reap what you sow. No, I but... was like, that doesn't apply to this situation. Leave <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> reap what you sow, Whatever, James. you know, like the fruits of your bears. The fruits you know? of your labors. Yeah, whatever. There you go. <laughs> the there's there's the phrase. Bear. There's the phrase. <laughs> was it two, hand, two hands in the bush or it was something like that? Right? Yeah, something. <laughs> yeah. As a dad, you know, my dad brain is, is severe these days when it comes to those things where I'm sure will embarrass my daughter every single day. Probably. Oh, no, totally. It's like the wife says, oh, hey, can you give me uh, the, the bottle? And the immediate reaction is like, wait, why do we need the bottle? We have a can. She's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, nice. Oh, okay. That is a good one. That is solid. two different mindsets for sure. <laughs> But that's so interesting that you pivoted from like a red ale to try and cater it to something that you like of a red IPA. And funny enough, I'm trying to come up with a recipe for a red IPA as we speak, because that's something that I re- I'm a hophead as well, if you can't tell from listening to the show. But it's just one of those recipes that, you know, if you can't find it somewhere, which is kind of what you were talking about with trying to find like some of those stone beers and some somewhere else where you were relocated. It's so hard. And so, that's where the beer community comes in this such a great role of just Googling and finding out what has worked for people to, so you can kind of start off with a good base. Oh, and there's so many different variants uh, and variations of the, the red IP. I call them Ripa's, but mm. I mean, you could be talking to somebody that wants it to be more of that tropical aromatics on your nose, but has that malt upfront taste. And then you have the people like us that wants that bitter punch up front, but you still want that maltiness and the, the, you know, tropical notes to come through as well. It's like you want everything in one package, want it all or nothing at all. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, exactly. It's, it's so funny that we're talking about that. Cause I've actually been talking with a buddy of mine on Instagram. Uh, I think his, his tag is uh, app six brewer. And he just did a red IP and I'm like, Oh man, you know, I, that was my, one of my favorite styles. If you ever want a variation, let me know. I, I've got a killer recipe that I've, I've got in the back pocket. He's like, oh, man, it's so similar to mine. And we just started <laughs> laughing about it. Great minds. 
Yeah, like looking at so, all the different rye malts too, and then the different variations and hop combos. Like you can use Sterling Cascade. You can do all different things. So it's just way overwhelming where I'm like, all right, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to change one thing, do three different ones, and see which one I like the best. That's the great thing about being a home brewer or a brewer on a professional level. I mean, you essentially are a mad scientist. I mean, that's kind of, that's what drew me into this is you are literally creating something from nothing and you, everything is dictated how you and your preferences are, right? So, you know, if you want to make it this way or that way, you're making all the adjustments, you're making all the calculations and it, and it becomes something of a, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's super addictive and it becomes the only thing you think of on a day-to-day thing. You're like, why is it I, like, I'm obsessed. Why am I thinking about this all the time when there's other things going on, but it's hard not to, cause it's so exciting. And hearing you talk about just the, your location and how your beer tastes have kind of evolved as you're relocating from being used to a certain kind of beer and then catering your own home brewing to that. When it comes to the inspiration in your logo, how did that come about? And I know Caitlin, I, I was immediately drawn to your logo and go figure. I find out it's, Kate, it's a Caitlin logo as well. Go figure. Yes. So why don't you talk about what the logo is for those listeners who haven't been to your Instagram page and kind of the inspiration behind your image for what speaks to your home brewery. Absolutely. First and foremost, you know, I got that shout out to, to Caitlin, her and her husband, Gareth of Thin River Brewing. I mean, they, I've known them for many, many years and we brewed together before they, they moved uh, due to their military status and whatnot. And I mean, you couldn't meet better people. They are, they are the best people. And I miss them so much, but she is extremely creative. He's a great brewer as well. And uh, I just reached out to her and I was like, Hey, here's some ideas I'm thinking of. And I'm not a very creative person. I'm really good at art, but essentially I'm just a copy machine. If I can see it, I can make it. But as far as coming up with something original, it's like I have thoughts. I just don't know how to put them together or to formulate them. And so that's where she kind of came in and she's like, well, what are you looking for? I was like, well, you know, I want to stay kind of true to my roots because I am proud of where I came from because it's made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, what do, what does that mean? Well, California, since it is a different country and all, (laughs) um, you know, their, their state animal and on the flag is, is the grizzly bear. And I was like, yeah, it's a powerful animal. They're beautiful. They are very protective of their young, you know, it's fierce. And I was like, I really like that. How do I incorporate that to where I'm at now? And it's like, well, the Evergreen State, well, what is around us? Tons and tons of these beautiful trees everywhere. And something I've always enjoyed doing since I was a kid is, you know, camping and and going out with my grandpa and, you know, him teaching me the ropes, whether we're in the desert or we're out in the mountains, you know, it's just been a part of who I am. So she, I was like, I want to put a cabin somewhere in there with a tree line and get me a bear. And, and she, boom, she, she made me a bear that basically had the profile of the tree line with a, a cabin on it. And I was like, perfect. I'll yeah. run with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super cool. I really like it. And I just want to jump in and say that we've heard from a lot of people when we talk about their logos, like, oh, I'm not a creative person. So I gave it to, you know, so-and-so to look at. But I just want to say, I think homebrewers are very creative just in a different way because coming up with the recipes from, you know, taking a base recipe and playing around with what you can add into it. I think that's creative and be able to think of like, oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z and making it happen. Like that's just creativity in a different vein than art. So I just want to say, I think you are creative. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, it, you know, being a home brewer, again, I keep saying home brewer or brewer, I'll just call it a brewer in general. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you are your own artist. Your medium is your recipe and how you make it because it can turn out in so many different ways. And it's so artful. <laughs> yeah, we might not be able to actually draw it, but you can drink it. It's really funny. Every home brewer I've talked to, including myself and even Shannon, when we it's hard at first of like, what would we want to have? And then as we're talking it through, just like building a recipe, we're communicating of like, okay, well, this is important to me. That's important to me. Family, usually it's fa some kind of family tie-in or a, a, a geographical location or just like a feeling you have. And it takes, you know, a great designer to actually put that into an image that you'll see. And you see it on beer cans all the time. And that's one of the great things, I think, with the shift in craft brewing, where it went from bottles to cans, that's the great avenue of displaying art. And that's mm -hmm. usually what sells beer on, on a shelf. If you don't have that beer name, you know, that's, you know, been around for many years, what is someone going to draw to your brand before they even open to see what the beer is about? It's your art that you put on your can. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's what catches the eye first. I mean, you may not know who that brewery is, but if they got some wicked art on there or something that looks really neat or cool or unique and original, I mean, if you appreciate art in some way, shape, or form, you get drawn into that. You're like, wow, this is really neat. They they took time into presenting this on their can, and, and you know that matters because if you care about something, it's going to show in your product. It's going to show in your brand. It's going to show wherever you go. You know, especially you as a, a person. You know, your personality is what either draws or deters people from conversating or interacting with you, right? So mm -hmm. it's the same thing with the beer can. You can't go into any store these days and not see like hundreds of different types of labels and types and cans. And you're like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed with what the choices are. How do I know if this is going to be good or not? And then on the flip side, there are those craft brewers that just, it's just their name and that's all you see. And, you know, sometimes that's just straight up because it's a cost issue associated with mm -hmm having someone, an artist, draw up a, a new, you know, design for every beer you come up with, or that's just not something that they find important. They'd rather just stick to just their name. And I think that's the freedom that comes along with when you have your own brewery. Yeah. And I think like some locations or some places only like the simplicity is what draws you to it. Like main beer company, all of their cans are simply just like the name with the type of beer. Like they don't really do oh. a lot of dressing up. Absolutely. And I mean, simplicity in itself is, is attractive, right? I mean, you could take something so simple or something so complex, but if it's done correctly, it, it can mean it can make or break it. And uh, there's lots of breweries that just put their name on it, but the way that they display the name, it can make it pop or flop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things I lo love about your logo is I could envision you brewing in like a little cabin. Like that's when I saw like the little, it looks like a little smoke coming out of like the, the <laughs> cabin. And I'm like, you know what? It's not, you know, a lot of these home brewers, we have to think, all right, well, how, how's beer tie into it? How would someone see it? And if they don't know your name, if there's no brewing on it, how would they associate you with beer? But you know what? It's one of those things which's great about being a home brewer is you don't necessarily have to make those connections, you know, right? It's, it's you have your brewing name there so they can see, okay, this is beer related. And then, oh, I, I might not know the whole story behind this image. Let me ask the brewer or the owner of what, how did it come about? 
I think I'm just going to scrap everything and make a label that says beer in here and have arrows. <laughs> I'm sure that's it. the first name that was copyrighted. Um, Get out you your little. Be able to use. Yeah, have like little like uh, directional things at the airport that just like pointing. Right. <laughs> here for beer. <laughs> and again, that's one of the great things of if you're just content home brewing as well as you know, you don't have to necessarily go through down all those avenues of looking up on your state and going on their website oh, right. and putting in yeah. all the, you know, all the names possible that you might want or even images and having to worry about copyright or like if you wanted to go into, you know, be a craft brewery. Like I know there's a couple of home brewers out there that their names, they never, you know, got their names copyrighted and then they had some issues when they finally decided they wanted to open a place of up, oh, someone else took it. And then the whole battle, legal battle that ensues because of that. So I think it's one of those avenues as a home brewer that I will never want to think about. And I just want to focus on the beer. So <laughs> tying back to the red ales that you were talking about, what's the biggest mistake that you found when you were making a red ale? Or what's the biggest tip you can give someone like me who's trying to make a hoppy, you know, red ale, but it also has that maltiness that you really enjoy in a good red IPA? I mean, if we're talking about the red IPA rather, rather than just a hoppy red, because I mean, there is a difference, right? It, it has to do with the bitterness units that are involved um, and, and how you incorporate them into the beer itself. Because you're going to look at your base malts, you're going to look at your specialty grains, you're going to look at your, your yeast selection, and you got to think, is this cohesive? Because anybody can just take a handful of this and that throw it in a bucket and say, hopefully this makes me something. But once you start to get, you know, into the scene and, and you collaborate with other people, you go to a homebrew club, you, you know, bounce ideas off of people or even going into a homebrew shop, you get to, I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but, you know, you walk into a homebrew shop and you taste some of the loose grains, get an idea of what the profile is, and, and you kind of get an idea after a while, like, you can actually start picking them out into beers you drink. So, you know, for a red IPA, for myself anyway, I like to have the higher end IVUs on it, but then I like to round it out with um, some really good tropical or fruity hops towards the end. Not, not anything like too fruity, but, you know, mosaic, citra, you know, those are really good beers that I think complement uh, a red IPA. So just to kind of give you some perspective, uh, I use Magnum for majority of all my beers for the bittering additions that I need to, to use the bittering only on because it's so so it's so clean it doesn't attribute to any other weird flavors or aroma so boom there we go let's get the majority of my, my bitterness units up front on that and then towards the tail end uh, is when you start to do like your I used to be a step hopper I guess as you call it I'll do like 15 10 5 and flame out and do small micro doses to kind of build it up. And a lot of people have moved away from that, but <laughs> I'm kind of old school. And uh, you just kind of infuse these different profiles. So uh, for mine, like I use the Magnum for my bittering, and then I'll use the 15 minutes like to incorporate Centennial so I get a little bit of that pine. I love the pininess. I think it's great. It gives you a good punch in the face in a good way. And then you round it out at towards the very end for your like your five and zero minutes or your flame out whirlpool additions, however you want to call it, with that mosaic or citra, but not like just dumping massive quantities into it. It's keeping the IVs within a, a relative realm, making sure that it, it it's cohesive and it, it gives you that pleasant boom. Oh, this is bitter. I'll drink a little bit more. Oh, there's that pine bomb. Not so much to where it tastes like 
yeah. <laughs> solution. <laughs> and then, then it rounds out on the back of your tongue, like, oh my God, is that blueberry? Or, oh, is that like peach, apricot? What is that? That's wonderful. And it just kind of brings you all these flavors, like the flavor wheel, right? It, it just, you, you can taste the rainbow. There it is. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great that you have that hop that's like your go-to. Like mine, for example, is Cascade. And that's usually what I'll go to. And then I'll play with Centennial a little bit. And it's, it sounds like from your hop additions that you've played around with this quite a bit. Because I was going to say my tip advice for anybody starting is start off simple. And then don't throw too many variants of hops in at different spots if you don't know what it's going to do to the flavor right. of your beer. Because then you'll never be able to figure out, okay, did I like that, that I put Magnum as the bittering hop? Or would I have liked a different hop? Um, so again, trying to keep it as simple as possible, but also you can use those resources like you talked about or your local homebrew shop. And that's why I'm usually there for a couple (laughs) hours. Uh, when I go in and she's like, what took you so long? I thought you were just getting some grains. Well, it's like, well, we got to talking, trying some of the, someone brought in their, like someone brought in their thing and just trying to brew that. And it's, so it's, it's one of those environments that's great. Like you said, and it's one of those rare things that I think is going away more and more of these homebrew shops. Um, but that's great that you're in a homebrew club. Do you want to tell us a little bit how that got started, your involvement there? So many, 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 many years ago, when we bought our house over here in, in the, the our neck of the woods, there was a little brewery down the road called North 47. And there apparently was, I went on some forums or some message boards because I had made, I have a recipe for an American wheat elf that is, I mean, you want to talk about a lawnmower beer, there it is. It's so crushable and it's so delicious. And I was like, ooh, how would this taste <laughs> if I added mango to it? It's it's one of my more favorite adjuncts to use is fruits and beers just to kind of play around with them and have fun. So I was like, well, let's try to let's try to do this. And I've never tried fruit at that point. And I used frozen fruit from the store. So I didn't really know much mm-hmm. about how to use fruit in beers. And I just threw it in there in the secondary. <laughs> And when the beer was done and I tried it, I was like, oh my God, this, this is terrible. <laughs> it, it, it tasted like someone's sweat socks were oh, leaning oh, down. That frozen fruit. Oh God. It, not to mention, side note, like if mango isn't prepared correctly, it, it could either be something phenomenal yeah. or just completely. The worst thing. Oh God. Yeah. So I went on some, uh, I think I went on a forum or something and the owners of North 47 actually reached back up and they're like, Hey. This is a great question. We have a, a, a club that meets here, and one of the guys here uses fruit avidly in his his beers or his ciders. Why don't you come check it out and see what they think and bring a sample? I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So I did that. And at that point, the brew club was more of just like a drinking club, and it was <laughs> a bunch of guys, and in, in, I mean, you know, they were older guys, and they just there to drink beer. And But that one guy that was used to using fruits, you know, I was like, Hey, I heard that you, you're, you know, you have experience in this. Can you try this? He tried it. He's like, Hey, this is, this isn't as bad as you're, you're making it up to be. It's actually pretty good. However, here are some tips. Here's what you might want to do next time. And that's kind of what piqued my interest. And I started going more and more and it started getting uh, more traction in the community and some other home brewers started showing up. And then next thing you know, I think it was like a year later, we were all like, why don't we push this to be a club that is in the system for the state of Washington. Like, let's make ourselves known. Let's make it official. 
So we, you know, got a president position going, vice president, all these things going, and we became accredited. And it just took off from there. And, you know, being a part of that, I said, you know, I think we really should focus on education as, as one of the main points. And they did. And we became the number one homebrew club in the state of Washington. I mean, five, six, seven years in running. I mean, I might be fabricating the number at this point because <laughs> COVID, COVID made me lose like yeah. three years of my life. Yeah. But it just really incorporating what people's backgrounds are and what they bring to the table with their experiences and expertise, it, it really worked out for the better. And uh, it helped me grow as a home brewer, it kept me engaged. And, and it actually ultimately opened me up to participating in competitions. I was terrified. They're like, why don't you do it? Your beer is great. And I was like, uh, all right. So I entered into it and sure enough, I got a silver medal as my first you know, beer I've ever entered. And I was like, this is awesome. So I just got hooked again. Shout out to your homebrew club. Oh, absolutely. It's a Browns Point homebrew club up here in Washington state. Um, it, it, they're a great group of guys. I mean, you want to talk about some heavy hitters and people <laughs> that make some of the best beer there is as far as, you know, the homebrew level. I mean, even better than some breweries out there. Wow. I mean, really these guys are great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they've really influenced your beer career overall. So, I mean, joining, going to that first little drinking club was a good, good decision. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it, I, I'm so glad I did that and, and didn't, you know, get too caught in my head be like, Ooh, I don't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I don't know, come out as someone that didn't like, Oh, your beer is awful or have that <laughs> on my head. Like, Oh, I made something that someone hated and now I don't want to do it ever again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, I mean, looking, we're not a part of a homebrew club, but I've often thought, you know, either James should definitely be, or both of us should be. But I think just the product that comes out of homebrew clubs and the community and collaboration of, like you were saying, be able to say like, Hey, something's off with this, or, you know, it's not up to my standards. What would you do different next time? It's just so invaluable to have that kind of automatic, like a group of people that are always going to give you feedback. And once you get to know them better, I feel like it's probably more honest than it is when you first, uh, <laughs> when you first get meet them. But I think it's a great, you know, I think there should be more homebrew clubs across the country because it's just a great way for people to get together and just enhance the community in general. Absolutely. And I mean, the feedback is always constructive as well. So it's not someone that's going to trash you or say, oh man, you suck. It's, it's always like, Hey, I'm, I'm picking up this and this. Tell me about your process. What did you do? Mm-hmm. What, what recipe did you have? And, and you really break it down and dissect each section and, and you kind of get a feel of, Oh, maybe I messed up here or maybe I can improve here. And, and, and education is such a huge thing to me. And, and I love putting that hand out there for anybody that ever has a question or wants to know how to do something or like, Hey, what recipe was this? It's like, yeah, hit me up anytime. Let yeah. me know. And, I'm more than happy to tell you my process because I'm not the type of person that can pick up a book and read it and know mm-hmm. exactly what it said because I have squirrel syndrome, right? It's <laughs> it's it's the minute I start reading one sentence, it's like, okay, well, hey, look, it's starting to rain outside. Oh, oh, okay, well, back <laughs> the book, and then oh wait, no, what was I doing the other day? And I, I oh, just, I forgot my to fold my socks. I gotta go yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true and it's so hard. So as far as learning from doing mm-hmm. and watching it's really how i've i've learned how to brew and asking lots of questions so you know go back to my buddy that had his own brewery i just said hey this is what i'm experiencing hey this is what's going on and he'd say okay cool walk me through it and and he's like i got a video for you to watch check this out on youtube and and this seems to be where you're at or what you need to to know next and 
So I just watch them. I'd watch them or I'd, you know, get involved in experimenting and trying to do it myself. And then it's the, the dreaded, Hey, I made a recipe and it tastes great, but it's not there yet. So now I got to do it again <laughs> and tweak it, do it again and tweak it. And a lot of homebrewers don't like going that route. They're like, Hey, I want to turn and burn, try this new recipe out. And if it was good, cool. I'll keep it in my, my back pocket. But if not onto the next new style or the next project, it's like, well, if you want to like perfect the beer and make it the best you can, you, you kind of got to bite that bullet sometimes and, and brew it several times to make those small adjustments to get it to where you want it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And I think it makes me appreciate when a brewery has flagship beers because just knowing of how long it probably took them to get it to a point where they will always have it on tap or 90% of the time it'll be there. It's just one of those things that I think is incredible with, you know, beer in general. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever, um, I sat in on a presentation for a homebrew con when it was in Portland, Oregon, I had the uh, opportunity to go down there and got to actually see the owner of Sierra Nevada. He was there and he was talking about how he started the brewery and he, his company, he almost lost the company or went bankrupt or ended up shutting it down because he tried to perfect that particular recipe so many times that it wasn't where he wanted it to be. And that almost ruined him. So he kept doing it and doing it and doing it and the very, very end when he finally tweaked it in, he's like, that's the recipe. That's where it should be. Boom. It took off. And I mean, it blew up. I look at them now, you know? I mean, it's incredible too. Like I'm so I have such an admiration for those early brewers that mm -hmm. didn't have the technology that we have access to today, didn't have the media or the coverage where they could go listen to home brewers talk about what works for them if they don't have, you know, a homebrew club in their state or they don't have the ingredients. We have all these media outlets where you can go and ask questions versus the old days where, you know, you would go into a brewery as that home brewer and be like, Hey, is the uh, founder around? Can I, or the head brewer, can I talk to them? And they'd be like, yeah, no, like we don't want another home brewer telling us we're, what we're doing right or wrong. But it's just one of those things that I think we're so lucky to be in an age where homebrewing in most States is legal. Number one. And number two, right. that we have all these different avenues online. We have, you know, audio out there of, <laughs> Shannon's just laughing, like, all right, where are you getting at? Yeah. But we just have so many ways that we can get this information if you're not that person that reads a book, and that's how you get your information. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's why they're called the OGs or the, the pioneers mm -hmm. of, of the craft because they were the ones that just did it. And, uh, I mean, when you're talking about putting grain to glass, you, you know, they, they tried it, they studied it, they read it, they learned it. And, I mean, it's just process of, of error and elimination and, and success. And, I mean, thank God they did. And now they've passed that torch and all the information and expertise because the craft community is such an inspirational community because, mm -hmm. I mean, everybody collaborates with everybody or everybody works together to, you know, hey, I need some help with this. Yeah, yeah, what do you need? You know, everybody's there for each other because everybody's so passionate about it. And I, I really love that about it. Yeah, and now that um, you're, you know, into it, you said for years now, and you started out on that that stove top brewing, where did you, like, what did your setup progress into? Like, where are you now? What's your batch sizes? All that good oh, stuff. Man. Yeah, I mean, I went from that little five-gallon kettle on the stove to making Frankenstein setups from like, I think my, I had a mash tun that was a cooler at one point. And then you upgrade that. And I got like my first spike 
kettle and I was like, oh, this is so cool, you know? And then as, as you get older, you're just like, wow, I, I, especially since, you know, we, I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old and I think about kids, like, I'm like, Hey, I don't, I don't want to keep an open flame here. Or I don't want to have <laughs> propane tanks lying around here, or, you know, I don't want to have these hoses over here and, and just you limit, you minimize the dangers that are involved with things of that, or at least that's how I think as a parent. And, you know, a few years back, I, I got into an accident where I hurt my lower back and it's really made me think about how I brew and how I want to continue brewing. So ultimately I ended up with a, I waited a really long time for it to come out. When it finally did, I was extremely happy, but I went with a spike uh, 20 gallon solo. So it's, you know, single vessel all in one. Um, I wanted something that I didn't have to do three vessels. I didn't have to pick up these giant kettles, do all the washing, do the mm -hmm. disassemblies. I, I want it to be streamlined. I want it to be easier. I didn't want my brew day to be, you know, 20,000 hours long. I want it to be relatively <laughs> right. shorter. I mean, as short as it could be, I mean, it's still long. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But uh, the solo really has helped me with a lot of that. And uh, I got the 20 gallon size because I was like, well, if I want to do a 10 gallon batch, or let's say I want to do a really, really heavy beer, I didn't want any limitations, mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of the route I went. But as I've, you know, progressed in the brewing processes as well, I actually came across a post on like the homebrew network on Facebook. And this one guy had a picture of his setup with a solo. And I'm like, whoa, wh what did you do with this here? Because he got rid of his grain basket. Oh. And the grain basket on the first generation had so many issues because it was letting a ton of grain through. So I was like, mm -hmm. well, this is worthless. I just spent right. all this money for nothing and ultimately got uh, the brew in the bag to go inside the green basket. Heck so yeah. I have a green basket with a brew in a bag and I'm like, <laughs> this is defeating the purpose of what I was looking to do, but what am I, I don't want any grain in the, in the yeah. um, boil. So exactly. I, I went that route and I saw this guy and he's like, yeah, I just got rid of that, that worthless basket. And he got a steam condenser lid and all that jazz. But I was like, wait a minute, I don't have a steam condenser lid. I don't want to go that route. But ultimately, he just got a false bottom to put above his element. So I do electric brewing. And, you know, he put the false bottom there. It fits perfect. And then he just put his brew in the bag over that. So kind of almost exactly like it was when I very first started. Had the brew, the brew bag in the, the kettle. And that was it. So I was like, why haven't I thought about this before? This is, it saves me the hassle of, having to clean two pieces of equipment and moving it around as opposed to just streamlining it. Right. Yeah, so exactly. I'm going to take my, my lid and fabricate it to put, I bought a uh, CIP ball. And since I'll be using the brew in the bag to recirculate, I can do it straight through the CIP ball. And then also I can short or lessen my footprint with water consumption. Since now the CIP ball, I can just clean everything super easy and use like three times less the amount of actual water involved. And I'm like, oh my God, why haven't I been doing this before? <laughs> yeah, and some people are like, oh, you're cheating. You're using a bag. Why are you doing that if you have a false bottom? It's like, well, it saves me countless time scraping out grains out of, you know, my vessel. And then they're like, well, well, you know, you could also, you know, you're, you're going to break your back, you know, trying to lift that grain grains up and... For me, I'm like, well, no, I have a hoist that I just hook the grain bag in. I just lift it up. So I don't even have to worry about my back if it's a big, you know, a 20 gallon batch that I'm brewing and all those heavy grains plus the weight of the liquid that's draining out of it. 
just oh, hook totally. up hook up a nice hoist and you know there you go exactly i got the same i got the hoist too man i hoist <laughs> that up and, and i mean you know i ended up actually having back surgery this past august oh, and yeah. so you know everything really you, you just got them everybody's system is so different and the way that people brew is so different but i mean ultimately it it allows you to build off of ideas that works for other people or things that haven't worked for other people mm -hmm. and so this really presented me i'm like ooh, i got that little bug to start like building <laughs> stuff again you know it's like because when you're going through all your systems initially you, you're constantly fabricating and you're constantly building and it's so much fun to make something it goes back to making beer right and so i got that bug again and i'm like ooh, i guess i'll get some more stuff <laughs> home brewing bug yep 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 it's more expensive than you think it will be <laughs> Hey, 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 we don't, we don't, it's like Fight Club. We don't talk, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about that. We just share about all our new gadgets and share it with the world. And they're like, how much are you spending on brewing equipment? And you're like, shh. Oh, okay. just it for itself. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I'm going to pay myself back in the amount of beer I'm making. Yeah. And I don't have to buy, but I'll also still buy. <laughs> That's the answer all the time. You know, what's the Peloton rate going these days? Double, triple that, and then get another, you know, get the tonal with LeBron James, and then, you know, you'll be good to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so a couple of fun little qu questions before we uh, wrap up. Sure. What is your favorite style of beer? Either to drink or brew, or both? Oh, man. I mean, if you know anybody that knows me, it's going to be the Munich Hellas. I mean... Uh, some things have changed for me over the past couple of years, especially when COVID started. So one of them is when, when COVID very first hit, killed my, my taste buds and my sense of smell. So the problem with that is I've regained all of those sensations and senses mm -hmm. again, with the exception of certain hops. Oh. And it's, it's even still to this day, there's, there's about... I would say 75% of all of the tropical or uh, fruity hops that are out there, they just have this smell and taste of absolute rotten garbage. And wow, it, wow. it makes you want to cry because, you know, you take something that, you, you know, it's like a sommelier, right? Or someone mm -hmm. that you, you take something away that you enjoy doing and it's, it's your salvation and now you can't do it anymore. And it's just, it, it's really hindered me so much and it's made me have to turn a different pathway on how I brew and the, the styles that I like. So unfortunately I can no longer brew with like mosaic and it was one of my favorites and wow. it, it, it's just, it's a total bummer, but I've gotten very creative with how I brew today and the hops that I can use. And I was just extremely thankful that Centennial is one of them that I can still use. <laughs> but the second part of that is, you know, I'm getting older, right? I mean, I'm not old. Don't mean <laughs> I say older. I, I'm, I'm, I just turned 40. You're wiser. Year. I'm wiser, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not a young buck anymore wanting the, the highest alcohol out there. So that way I can get drunk and just go rage, mm -hmm. right? It's more along the lines of, Hey, what can I crush? really enjoy drinking and just just ride that wave right really it's it's more along the lines of just german beers and and german the the munich Hellas is my absolute favorite i just love the, the aroma i love the taste the crushability and and really the history too as far as brewing my what favorite style do i like brewing i mean lagers are really simple to brew but they're extremely hard to perfect mm -hmm. um there's you can't hide anything from them so i, I really like brewing those the most just because it really showcases how good of a brewer you are but it also allows you to find out like was there mistakes in this and how do i fix that so i'd have to say you know the hell is is my favorite and any type of lager really to brew is is my favorite to make too okay 
I think you're the first person I've ever heard talk about how COVID like changed year for you. Like that is so crazy. And also I feel like James shed a tear for the mosaic over there. I I did. He's got a little emotional. I was getting emotional and I was like, you know, my science background, I'm like, man, that would make a case study, right? Great case case study. study. (laughs) Get all these home brewers and who have the similar thing or, and then you can try like how many people do this impact. There's a, you know, like a variant within the, hop for each one that yeah, you can't that like cause it, like like a certain part of the oh, gene so of interesting that hop. oh man i feel like i gotta talk it's, to omega yeast now it's it's so infuriating because you're like no it's 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 an unknown variable right yeah. now and nobody knows what it is but the, the what is it the transistors in your brain are they aren't firing the same as they were for that particular sensory but there's no remedy or solution yeah, on how so to crazy. recorrect it or redirect it. So you're like, well, what do I do? Because like, you know, like you said, it, it made you shed a tear. It, it, it's, it made me depressed. I mean, it took some of my most favorite brewing styles. I mean, my favorite used to be the West Coast IPA. I mean, oh, man, West Coast is the best coast and it, it's <laughs> such a wonderful beer and it's so awesome. And everything about it is, it, it, it's just so great. And it's how I grew up. And now I'm like, wait, so now I can't really brew that stuff. And, and, it, and it made me really depressed. I did get around a certain ways to do it. And I just have to use different types of hops and I can still do it. It's, it's fine. But um, yeah, man, you go on, you know, web pages, you go out to different you know, medical communities and, and everybody's like, yeah, there just isn't any studies yet, or there isn't any information or solutions. So what do you do? That'd be oh, really yeah. interesting though, it, with hops, because you do know what's in each hop. And if you, if there's a similarity of like a certain, all the different hops, yeah. so say it's mosaic, centennial, cascade, or the, is there a specific three? element in all of right. those? You that look is at kind the of elements of each yeah. hop. And then you could see if that, hmm. that specific gene of the hop is triggering like a factor totally. for that person and see how many pe- you need to obviously okay. many and, people to, <laughs> have that go in the free cool. t- yeah It'd in the free cool. time of my mom life i'll look into that yeah, james i really figured it out myself was the the good old sniff test right yeah i opened right. up my freezer and took out like ten thousand pounds of hops that we all have wow. our freezers, right and yep. i opened up every single package wow. smelled it and if i got what i call as the funk Oh. Then I went ahead and repackaged it and put it aside. And then I noticed, I'm like, wow, my supply just dwindled down 75%. Oh and gosh. now I'm like, I'm very limited. But I went ahead and gave the, the rest of those hops to a bunch of my friends that wow. don't have my And they're like, issues. sweet. Like, Why are you getting rid of these hops? Uh, did something happen to them? Something wrong with them? Is this a hop from like the early like 1900s? <laughs> no, and some of it was stuff I just purchased too, yeah. so I was really bummed out about those it. Those hop I mean, sales, somebody... man, you fill up the freezers real quick. Oh, because they have those sales all the time, right? Oh, Jesus yeah, now like, it's, oh, it seems every day. <laughs> yeah. And there's That's actually my, uh... brewers out that they're looking for a specific year harvest for that as well. So oh, totally. I, I know it's like, totally. all right, I want the 2011 version of that because I made a beer with it and it was really good. They get nostalgic. It's great. And COVID is it. how Brandon became a black market dealer of hops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a much. hop swindler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's really funny because COVID is such a unpredictable animal. I mean, for my wife, she cannot drink Coca-Cola anymore. Because wow. it gives that she has the funk with Coca Cola, and I'm, it's just a, oh, and uh, cilantro, cilantro and Coca Cola oh, for her, she yeah. can't touch. 
And I'm like, how can you not eat cilantro? It's like wonderful. She's like, it's so gross. And she's like, I'm on the soap train now. Yeah. Is what she, yeah, she so, I mean, went to the other side. <laughs> I, I, I get it though, because it's the same problem I have. So it's, it's very frustrating. It's, it's, it's just very saddening. Well, if you're a home brewer out there listening and this sounds exactly <laughs> like you, but with different hops, same hops, please direct message us on our Instagram because we'd really want to know. Now we just sound like a mesothelioma commercial. <laughs> Please send them to P.O. Box. Yeah. <laughs> That's my pharmaceutical Have you been impacted commercial. by COVID and hop blindness? Oh, it just shows Brandon smiling with his hop, Magnum hops, and then he shows just smelling it from the freezer and just going, ugh, does it smell like <laughs> rotten garbage? And it shows you throwing out the hops and then the trash. James is making infomercials now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Followed by the paragraph of legal, legal responsibility. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to talk really fast. Yeah, really fast. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay, well, do you want to let people know where they can find you on the socials? That's what the young people say these days, the socials. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, um, the book faces, I call it. I don't even really use that anymore. <laughs> I, I pretty much use them just to have a specific page for the kids, and that's, that's all I do. I, I pretty much just research and look stuff up to be amused but as far as beer related goes and the only place that i post my stuff to when when i get a chance because we are parents right yeah is on instagram and uh you can find me at hh underscore bruco um and that stands for houston house brewing okay great awesome well brand thanks so much for joining us and we're so similar with our brewing techniques so i'm sure i'll be pinging you and trying to come up with my show my recipes of the red <laughs> IPAs and you can t give your expertise on it so I don't ha run into that situation where I brew the first one and it's yeah you'll have to garbage collab I'm I'm all about those collaborations I mean what a what a better way to connect with somebody and make something together and, and just kind of be like wow check this out you know what I mean so yeah. thank you for having me it's it's been a pleasure and I was li really looking forward to this I'm, I had a great time yeah thank you so much and before we sign off, don't forget to check out our merch. Go to the link on our Instagram to access the site. And there you can find podcast merch as well as our Brew Another Day initiative products. And if you are a home brewer like Brandon and want to share your story, send us a direct message on our Instagram at Double Hotbeat Podcast. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can listen to your podcast. And make sure you give us a five. Star review. <laughs> that really helps us get new listeners and we appreciate it. This, this has been, been Double Hoppy. Catch you on the Bruce side. side.